How do you do, neighbor? It's Bree and Spirits time once again. The boys have gathered around, and they're ready for you. So join in, make comments, and study with the guys as they try to study as the Bereans did in Acts chapter 17. And now, here's the guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Berean Spirits, and my name is Chris Peltz. I'm the evangelist with the Southside Church of Christ. We've got Richard Dodson back with us from the Kearney Church of Christ. Richard, glad to have you back, and glad you're feeling a little better. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. We've got uh, Josh Thornhill with the Brookmead Church of Christ over in Johnson City, Tennessee. How you doing, Josh? Well, Chris, I've got my uh, my coffee in my what's wrong with you people mug i've got a big old glass of water over here and i've got the bible and i'm ready to to go i'm good to go <laughs> where did you get that mug uh, i ordered it online <laughs> there's a whole backstory behind it but it's too much for the show so anyway yeah 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 i you got it you got a free bible with it chris no oh okay bible on the box yeah yeah i have the box done here <laughs> oh man that's the great. In the auditorium. yeah all right i got you well um man i hate fall isn't it isn't today the first day of fall it is it is first day of fall most wonderful time of the year it is it's awesome and i mean the weather it's like you couldn't have timed it any better for the weather because we were 93 degrees yesterday and today our high is 72 yeah I mean, we were cooler. We were in the 80s yesterday, but the day before we had the record highs, I guess, in the 90s. So yeah, it's 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 been uh, it was a, it was a steep drop off getting to fall, but I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, me too. I love it. Absolutely awesome. All right. Well, speaking of things rushing in, we're going to be talking about the second coming of Christ today. And when that's going to be coming? Are we going to be selling our uh, uh, Armageddon food boxes? <laughs> you know, back in 2012, when I we lived in Colorado, and I did a live radio uh, call-in program on a local station out there in Colorado, and there was this guy, last name was uh, uh, Campbell, um, and... He was making, he had made claims back in the eighties. He made claims in the nineties, all, you know, fell short. They didn't come to pass like he promised they would. Well, he still had a following and he was claiming that uh, back in May of 2012, there would be the rapture. And then later that year would be the actual second coming of, of Christ. And so um, in the end of the world, right? And there were people were selling everything they had. I mean, there were people with that were worth millions of dollars that sold their homes, got rid of everything, gave it all away, waiting for the fulfillment of what this guy was prophesying. And of course, it didn't happen. Um, it, it's amazing. People get caught up in in some of these things. And uh, what's I mean, interesting is not only were was this guy proclaiming certain um, 
oh, like uh, like hidden messages in the scriptures that he was able to decipher. Of course, he had gotten it wrong several times in times past, but he was certain this time he had it right. And of course, he didn't. Um, and what's interesting is there's a lot of people like that. I mean, there are certain religious groups that were founded upon this kind of thing uh, from the very beginning. The JWs, for example, back in the uh, late 1800s, you know, they their founders were uh, proclaiming this type of thing that they, you know, they had certain ideas about um, the second coming, the new earth and all these things that were going to take place. And even today, you know, here in Springfield, we have the Assemblies of God uh, and uh, headquartered here, and they, you know, are very much premillennialists. They believe in the uh, in a earthly kingdom. They believe in tribulation, various things that uh, that they are proclaiming and 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 looking at and saying, look, there are signs that are happening all around us that show us that these things are about to happen. And it's interesting because we do have lots of things happening. In fact, just this week, and I don't know if you guys know, um, caught this in the news or not, there was, I think, a 7.6 magnitude earthquake in Mexico. I don't know if you guys saw that on the news or anything. Uh-huh. But but there was this huge earthquake that happened in Mexico. Of course, there were tsunami warming, warnings that were, that were issued. And, of course, there's been volcanoes that have been erupting here recently. Um, so earthquakes, tsunamis, uh, volcanoes, um, and and of course wars. Right? We've got all these wars that are taking place with Russia going into Ukraine, uh, everything that's happened in the Middle East. All of these things people are pointing out and saying, "Look, these are all the signs that we are supposed to be looking for and watching for to show us that that." Uh, that Christ is coming. So they're looking at these things. Here's the signs. You know why they do that? Fear sells. I mean, you mentioned the assemblies of God down there by you and just right down the road in Branson is Jim Baker. And when I was, (laughs) when I was kidding about the, uh, uh, the Armageddon food boxes that he sells those. Yeah. Uh, You know, that's supposed to help you survive the tribulation. And so, that's part of his deal is, uh, and I think he's associated with assemblies of God, if I'm not mistaken, he, he was the guy that I don't know, 30, 40 years ago, 20 years ago. I don't know when it was, but he was the guy that had to go to jail because of the, uh, uh, I mean, he actually was misusing funds, even had his dog house air conditioned. Uh, he was, by the way, I have a massive stock of those food buckets and, uh, I can get you a good deal. Contact me. <laughs> Kidding! I'm kidding! I'm kidding! Now, just a couple of years ago, didn't he get? Was it him that got in trouble for claiming he had the cure for the coronavirus? That was the Copeland, wasn't it? He was the one that was praying it away or blowing it away. I don't. All these guys. I mean, there's all kinds of fake healing. That that was a sign. That was a sign of the end of times too. Is coronavirus? That's right. I heard that. Yeah. And then, and then we got some kind of star coming. Uh, I saw this last night and I was preparing for the show. There's an Israeli Israeli rabbi and, uh, he, he made this sometime back, but there's some car uh, star that's going to appear in this year. And, uh, that's the sign of Jesus's return. Uh, and he said it would be in 2022. So if it doesn't happen this year, 
then I guess he's a false teacher. Yeah. Well, of course, he's waiting for the first coming of the Messiah, isn't he? Well, he said second coming. Second coming? Uh, he's a, like a messianic Jew? I have no clues. Yeah. I, I, I was just looking at different people who, if 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 the listeners would just go to Google and type in second coming of Jesus, you will find all kinds of things. And it's like I said, fear sells. Whether you're a Christian, you're going to find false teachers who's going to try to sell fear to you uh, using these signs that Chris is talking about uh, to try to get you to part with your money. Uh, what's his name? John Hagee. He's an evangelist, TV evangelist, and he was preaching about the second coming of Jesus. And and all the while, he's trying to scare you, saying, you know, like the Ukraine war and, and all these things, uh, uh, the, the things with Jerusalem, you know, Israel and, and making them a country. These are all signs of Christ coming. But all the while, you know, he's he's calling on people to repent, and he's got a number at the bottom of the screen where you send in your donations. So fear, fear sells. And whether you are atheist and you're listening to the science that are pushing global warming, or if you are a Christian, there's, there's false teachers, but the bottom line is fear sells. And you got to realize that. So the way to equip yourself against fear is to what? It's to, to get knowledge. Yeah, you know, you know for yourself what's going on because these guys don't have a uh, monopoly on wisdom, and yeah. so the the best thing we can do is to study our Bible to uh, uh, make sure we don't get caught up in that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the sad reality is fear does sell, and that's why you turn on your news and the world the the sky's falling with every little story that they run, uh, except for the fear of God. That's maligned. That's the. That's a good that, one. That, that's one that people that that's not going to sell. You're you're foolish if you do that. That's true. But that's yeah. the very one that's going to to save your soul is that fear of God, as opposed to fear of everything. And that's why people the the scripture so often says, "Don't fear uh, these things. Don't worry about these things. Don't fear the one who can destroy your body, but fear the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell." So, so, Josh, I'm going to I'm going to while we uh, Richard and I are going to say a few things, but I, I'm going to have you adjust your noise gate back down uh, <laughs> real quick because you you keep going kind of fading in and out on that. I think that's what it is. Um, but, you know, we here we are talking about these things that, yeah, fear. OK, fear sales. And we've got all these signs that are happening. And these are things that the Bible mentions. Now, I want to be clear about that. The Bible mentions earthquakes. The Bible mentions, um, you know, uh, the, the you know uh, tragedies that are going to take place. The Bible mentioned wars that would be taking place as well, and so it, it should be no surprise that you know you think about this. You know, people like what the Bible does mention this. The Bible does talk about wars and earthquakes and fires and and uh, and plagues and all these things that the Bible is talking about. And so these must now this is where the conclusion is drawn. Now they jump and say, well, then, you know, this must be the sign of the end times. That must be what this is about. Did it does it mention specifically the Ukraine war? Does it mention specifically the Vietnam war? 
or yeah, any of the wars, you know, World War One, World War Two, the War of 1812, the Revolutionary War, doesn't mention specifically because Chris, since Jesus ascended, we have had wars and rumors of wars. And that's what it says, isn't it? That's exactly what it says. That's right. It, and and that's what people sometimes miss, right? You go to Matthew chapter 24, and, and that's what Jesus is pointing out. He said, listen, there's something that you can see is going to happen when it came to the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. But when it came to all these other things, because listen, there's always been wars and rumors of wars. These things have always been going on. This isn't a sign of anything you know, uh, you know, when you see a city being surrounded, then and you're in that city, all right. You you can tell that that's for you, but uh, but he he points out this isn't talking about his second coming. In fact, Luke chapter seventeen, and I want to say starting in verse twenty, it may be a, a verse or two before that. Jesus makes the point because there's lots of folks that are saying. You know, you know, what is the sign of your coming? When is this going to happen? And Jesus points out in Luke chapter 17 that the kingdom does not come with observation. It, you know, don't, you know, people are going to say, see here, look there. And Jesus says, that's not how this is going to work. That's not how this is going to be. And now that's talking about the kingdom, not alone his second coming that, you know, because many people look at that as being the same thing. But Jesus says, this isn't going to happen that way. Don't be looking for, for these signs, these signs that, that just take place in the world and have always been taking place since the world began. Uh, you know, that's where people are making their mistake. They, they look at this and, and they don't pay attention to when Jesus is saying, no, it's not going to happen that way. You know, and you wonder, what, well, wait a minute. Then if Jesus is so clear, it's not going to happen that way then why are people so caught up in saying, you know, oh, look, there's wars, there's earthquakes, there's volcanoes, then, you know, there's a plague. Oh, then that's the sign. Why aren't they listening to Jesus when he says, no, it doesn't, it's not going to happen that way. And I think fear is part of it. You guys mentioned fear sales. I think there's a little bit more to it as well, though. And when they don't know the Bible, I think that's another part of it. Yeah. Yeah, not. I mean, which again, Richard pointed out, right? Knowledge. They these guys do not have a monopoly on wisdom. In fact, when you look at what we're talking about, they don't even have wisdom to begin with, let alone a monopoly on it, because uh, they don't understand. They they completely misuse and abuse the text. But it comes back to for their own gain, and you know, uh, and and causing fear to come upon the people. Certainly. Uh, but I think another part of it is the uh, the emotions of it, the kind of the Hollywood experience, right? It, it it's something that is, um, I'm trying to think of the word, not extravagant, but it it it's something that you know it, it gets their attention, right? And uh, their amazement. It it sounds fantastical in many ways, even though it may be a little bit scary. It also just sounds uh, grand and big, and and that's how you know people's mind works. They, if it sounds so grand and big, you know that that w must be how it works, right? Yeah, must be, must be. <laughs>
you know, it, it is funny because Jesus made it real clear that, you know, he, he went, he didn't even know when the, when he's going to return, that that was reserved for, uh, uh, the father in heaven. Yeah. Well, in Matthew 24, 36, yep. uh, concerning that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven or the son, but the father only. And what, what is amazing. And this kind of goes back to what Josh said, you know, uh, you got to be able to defend yourself with some knowledge, but what's amazing is people listen to man and they, they overlook these passages that teach, you know, that, that even Jesus didn't know. And it's like, okay, so I guess what we're supposed to understand then is that God is going to inform some man when Christ is returning, but he's not going to tell Jesus. And I, I have a hard time believing that. Uh, but, uh, again, every man who's ever tried to predict it before has failed. There hasn't been anyone yet who's been right about it. Well, it, so, and, and, and that doesn't mean, listen, I'm not saying that doesn't mean Jesus isn't coming again. I very much believe that he is, but uh, the scriptures are very clear on that. We, we're supposed to be ready. In fact, right. You're talking about Matthew chapter 24. Yeah. Uh, you know, we got passages just in Matthew 25, we got lessons that uh, teach that we're supposed to be ready because we don't know when Jesus is coming again. And since we don't know, you know, there, there needs to be a healthy respect for the fact that when Jesus comes, he is going to bring punishment to the evildoer. So we need to be ready. I'm not saying we shouldn't respect it. And there shouldn't be a healthy amount of, of fear that is, uh, uh, oh, you know, Chris Kramer made a comment, and I put it up here, but I'll put it up again. If a person is right with God, why would they fear the day of judgment? And I'm not saying have a fear, but a respect, yeah. you know, that uh, uh, so much respect for the coming of Jesus that you will be ready. Uh, and, you know, it's going to move you to make your life right with God. And, um, uh, you know, we're not talking about, again, we're not talking about going out and buying Armageddon boxes. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about life-changing decisions. You know, Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about we transform our minds, you know, from, from serving the flesh to, to being spiritual. Uh, these are the types of things that we need to be doing in order to make ourselves ready for Christ's return. And we do very much believe in that. But what we are saying is the Bible makes it very clear. No one knows when that is. So, Josh, let, let's kind of backtrack just a little bit. In Matthew chapter 24, back at, what is it, verse 3, the disciples asked Jesus two questions. And it, it, would, it would seem as though they're thinking these things are the one and the same, right? When is this going to take place? Talking about the destruction of the temple. Um, and then, you know, and what, you know, and what will be the sign of your coming? And, and Jesus answers both of those questions, but with two completely different answers, right? Now, now, before he gets into this answer, I mean, this is important with Matthew 24, Chris, because I really believe most people miss the understanding of Matthew 24 because they do not see the fact that Jesus is answering two questions, right? So that's important here. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, Josh, go ahead. Actually, technically you could say he's asked three 
questions. Uh, when will these things happen? Obviously referring to the temple being torn down, but then what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? I think possibly you could differentiate those two because the destruction of Jerusalem was a coming in judgment mm-hmm. uh, upon the Jews. Um, so, and there's debate here. I, I, I do want to emphasize that. But I think unequivocally, we have to agree that the first 35 verses of Matthew 24 are referring to the destruction of Jerusalem. And I don't know how many times I've heard, I know Seventh-day Adventists, I've some, seen some of their videos. Um, I think even Jehovah's Witnesses would, would use this kind of verse as well. Um, use these verses to show the, um, what's it called? The Use these things as signs of the, the coming or the second coming of Jesus or, or the, the end of the age. Uh, but, it, but it's important, especially when you tie these back in with the rest of the, the scripture, and especially the ones that are being referenced in this section, it's, it is talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. And that's crucial. Because he does talk about signs. And if you compare this with Luke's account and such and Mark's account, um, he gives very clear signs. Like when the when you see the army surrounding Jerusalem, get out of there. <laughs> um, so that's not the end of all time. And I know a lot of our religious brethren will use that. And we need to have that proper understanding uh, that these verses are not talking about the, the second coming of Jesus. Um now, there is debate beginning in verse 36 and following what that is talking about because Jesus says in verse 34, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Uh, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And then he says, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the father alone. And so it does appear that there is at least some kind of transition taking place there in verse 36, because he says this will happen within this generation, but of that day and hour, no one knows. So just a casual read through seems to appear or seems to point to the fact that there is a transition in in the discussion that Jesus is making there. Um, So if anything, 36 through the end of the chapter would be, uh, Jesus speaking to the final coming or the second coming. Um, but I think we, we very clearly need to understand prior to that, for sure, Jesus is referring to the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. Yeah, yeah. And and that's what he points to all those signs, right? When they the, when they surround the city, when they do all this, you know, that uh, y- you will know. And, and woe to those who are, um, you know, with small child or, or to the pregnant, to to those who have difficulties, you know, woe, woe to them because it's going to be difficult to, to flee, to get out of the city. That's going to be hard to do. Um, but, uh, but I do think there in verse 36, he makes that transition, you know, but right there, that's a contrast, you know, there, there was this, but now this, now, you know, now that, um, you know, of that day and hour, no one knows. Right. And, and then you put that together, as uh, Richard pointed out, you when you go into Matthew chapter twenty-five, and you have the uh, the ten young uh, young virgins, the five foolish and five wise, all about you know being prepared and being ready for when the bridegroom comes. You don't know when, you don't know when he's coming, but you need to be ready. 
for when he does. Um, and you have First uh, Thessalonians 5 in the first few verses, as well as 2 Peter 3, uh, verse 10 and 11, that use some of the same language, talking about like a thief in the night. Uh, Paul in First Thessalonians five talks about you know pregnant pains upon or, or uh, labor pains upon a pregnant woman, you know a woman who is with child you know she's going to give birth she you know she's going to go into labor sometime, but you don't know when you just know it's going to happen, and so all of a sudden labor pains come upon her and and it's you know it, it's time it it's you know, it's time to go just as a thief in the night you know it's. Uh, they're going to break in unannounced, unaware. Uh, and so what you what do you do? You try to prepare and be ready for when or if that happens. Um, but you you know, he doesn't announce his coming. He doesn't say, hey, I'm gonna be at your house, you know, this day at this time to break in and steal everything. Um, you know, that's not how it works. They they show up unannounced, unaware. Uh, and that's what Paul and Peter both say is going to happen at the second coming of Christ. Yeah, Chris, uh, we had a comment here that I wanted to touch on real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, David Stambersky says that preterists teach that Christ came back already. Of course, he says he doesn't believe that, but I do think that's worth mentioning. Uh, John chapter 5, verse 25, Jesus says, An hour is coming, and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Uh, I think that's speaking to the the kind of thing you read in Ephesians two, where he talks about the dead and you were dead in trespasses, but you've been made alive together in Christ. Those who hear God are made alive again. But then in verse twenty eight, he talks about an hour coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear His voice and will come forth. That hasn't happened yet. Yeah, yeah, that has not happened yet. The fact that we still have people in the tombs indicates that Christ has not come back yet. Right. Yeah, the other, I think, a reference to uh, what Ezekiel 37 with the Valley of Dry Bones and the fulfillment of that in Christ Jesus. Uh, But then, yeah, not not only that, think about going back to Matthew's account when after or during his crucifixion, when he was buried uh, and, and rose from the dead, it talks about, you know, certain dead also being raised and going and showing themselves you know, but it was first of all, it wasn't all the dead then. And secondly, even in Acts chapter two, when Peter and the apostles were preaching to the Jews on the day of Pentecost, Peter points out, you know, that it wasn't David literally who was raised because we still know where he's buried. He's still in the tomb. And so so that hadn't taken place yet. Uh, and you've also mentioned First Thessalonians. In chapter 4, Paul says that when the, the Lord comes, he says he will descend with the clouds with the sound of the trumpet. And it says the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. It, yeah. We're not with the Lord right now in that sense. You know, we, we haven't gone to dwell with the Lord in the eternal dwelling place. That has not taken place. And the dead in Christ have not risen from the grave to be transformed into the heavenly body. Yeah. None of that has taken place yet. And so uh, I, I wanted to bring that up because that, that doctrine is floating around there today. And I think these people are very militant in their, uh, in their error and promoting their, I'll, I'll call it propaganda. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we need to be aware of that. We need to guard against it because it is, it's a, 
it's an error that is destroying souls. In fact, there in First Thessalonians four, he says, "And there we will be with him forever." Yep. Right. And so you know that. I mean, if that had taken, if that's already taken place, we have no hope because we're here. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, it just it just doesn't it just doesn't make sense at all. Um, Richard, any any you're, you're being awful quiet now. What's going on? Oh no! You when you said the way you said forever, it reminded me from a line from Sandlot, the oh, movie. Yeah. Forever. <laughs> Here we are talking about the Bible and Richard's reading, watching movies. Well, uh, no, I, I just, uh, yeah, I got you. Yeah, I, no, I, I, I just thinking about uh, the the signs of the end of time, and I can't help but think that uh, uh, I go back to what I said in the beginning: fear sells. And there's just so much stuff out there that where people, you know, uh, who was the minister, the Baptist minister, Billy Graham, you know, he, he tried to use different signs of Jesus's returning. And then he even talked about, and this is what I couldn't understand, but uh, I remember him talking one time about how the gospel first has to go out into the whole world. And that was based on Matthew 24. And and this gospel, the kingdom shall be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. And so Billy Graham was saying, you know, that there's now that we have, uh, you know, we might be able to do that now. We might be able to accomplish that now. But again, the Bible's already taught that, you know, the gospel has gone out through the whole world. I mean, there's numerous passages, but, you know, I'll just go to Colossians uh one twenty-three, uh, he says, "If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I Paul became a minister." So uh, again, you know, you have these people who are pushing signs, uh, and like Billy Graham, even now, Billy Graham sworn in presidents. But uh, he was proclaiming these types of signs, and, you know, they're just mistaken. I go back again to the, what I said in the beginning. If you equip yourself with knowledge of what God's Word actually teaches, then you'll be able to uh, defend yourself against these uh, fear peddlers. Because they got a reason they want to make you afraid. And unfortunately, their reason is they're trying to separate you from your money. Because if they truly had a fear of the Lord, they'd be getting themselves ready as they should for when Jesus comes again, and they're not doing that. So since they don't have a godly fear, there's something else that's motivating them, and most likely it is money. Mm -hmm. You know, another text with along with that Colossians 1 would be 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses I think it's 7 through 9, where Paul commends the Thessalonians for sounding forth the gospel through uh, Macedonia and Achaia into the outermost parts of the world. Yeah. Right. That they, they've done it so well. In fact, he says, I need not say anything more uh, about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, you guys have done such a great job of sounding forth the gospel everywhere, all over the world. And Colossians, I mean, Romans 1 8, you know, Paul said that he was, uh, their faith had been proclaimed in all the world. Uh, I mean, there, there's more than more, there's a lot of verses that talk about this. Yeah. So, yeah, there's, uh, you know, you would do, do I think Billy Graham knew that 
you know, if Billy Graham didn't know it, he had people on the payroll who told him. So again, I mean, that, that really makes you think that there had to be another motivation. And I'm telling you, if you listen to these guys, it's always about money that you fear makes money. And if they can make you afraid, they can separate you from your money. So, um, let, let, let me ask you this. Um, some folks have an approach where they have a certain belief, a preconceived idea or notion. And, and one of would be right. The, the second coming of Christ, right? There, there are certain preconceived ideas and notions about that. How does that affect your approach when it comes to studying the scriptures? If you approach it from that, from that viewpoint, you mean, their approach or, or yeah, yeah, as, as a teacher? No, how does no, their approach, right? Because oh. if, if we're going to talk to people, right, and we're going to try and get them to say, listen, you need to study and look at the scriptures. I mean, yeah, that's all well and good. They can agree with that. Yes, we do. We need to look and study the scriptures. I, I understand that. And they do, but they're looking at it from a from an understanding that this, you know, we believe this, you know, this thing that, that, uh, that they're going to be signed. We believe, you know, uh, that we'll have an understanding of when Christ is going to return. And so how does that uh, affect their approach of the scriptures? Well, I, I think it depends on which approach they take with Christ's second coming. David Stambursky, uh, and he, I want to, I'll lead into a comment with this. He said, just as bad as Preterism is to pre is is premillennialism that has so many rabbit holes to go down. It's unbelievable. Yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. uh, it does have a lot of rabbit holes. But the problem with a lot of those guys is their literal interpretation of the Bible. I mean, they they take things so literally, and uh, and there's some things that are made as expressions that uh, that and and you're going to have to learn when the Bible is using something as an expression versus something that's literal. And so that can affect uh, Chris's, someone's uh, search of the scriptures, especially on this topic. Um, mm -hmm. Let me think. There, there's a, in Matthew 24, uh, where does it talk about? Uh, um, oh, it talks about the sun being turned to, the sun will be dark and the moon. Uh, where's this at here? Um, I know it's in Amos, <laughs> the Old Testament. I know where it is. Amos, Amos. Matthew 24, 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Okay. Now, if you take that literally, you know, you're going to be thinking one way, but if you go back and notice how it's used in the Old Testament, this expression here, like in Isaiah, like in Joel, you know, it, it always had, uh, they, they use that as an expression of, of, uh, uh, destruction. You know, what would happen when the destruction came and authorities, you know, right? The stars and things would be those in authority and they would fall. And, and well, and, and it, it's, it's in various places in the old Testament. And so I'm just using that as an example to answer your question. You were talking about how that can affect 
someone's study of the Bible. Well, when, you know, if you're taking things literal and not looking to see how the Bible means it, then that can lead you to false conclusions. Now, and and maybe this could be another show, you know, is when when do we take, I mean, because the whole Bible is not figurative. There are some literal things in there, but there are, but obviously the book of Revelation, for example, uh, tells us that, it, I mean, it, it even begins by saying that these are figurative things. The, you know, the, these are not literal uh, things that we're going to be looking at in, in illustrations that we're going to be using. But if we have a preconceived ideas, when we look at a certain passage, we're going to want to make that passage fit our idea. And, and, and it's kind of like with science, you know, um, some who claim to be Christians who, who believe in a, um, a, a, in a, in some type of evolution, right? What they've done is they've tried to twist the scriptures to fit a belief. And, and the problem with that is what we need to be doing is make our beliefs fit with the scriptures, uh, rather than trying to make the scriptures fit with our beliefs. And so, uh, there, there's a big difference, a big difference in our approach there. So if we go, uh, you know, if we start with a preconceived idea or notion, we're going to look at the scriptures and, and try to make sure, well, you know, it, it fits, um, you know, but then we have to take it out of its context. We have to do certain things with it to make it fit what we believe rather than having an open mind and open heart and look at the scriptures, look at the context and say, all right, this is what it says. But like you pointed out, what, what does it mean? What's the context of this? And the Bible is its best own commentary, you know? And so you bring up old Testament passages. I think that does help us to have a better understanding of what these uh, uh, texts are referencing. Yeah. I went to a Bible study one time, to a great millennialist house, yes, one time. And uh, it was a, a family that was uh, studying Revelation. And there was many people there, but uh, they had their little book on how to teach Revelation, and then they had their Bible. And I was sitting there, you know, because they were so devoted to the book. They were devoted to a book that man wrote more so than they were their own understanding of scripture. Cause I'd point some things out and they would just completely dismiss it because it didn't go along with what that book taught. And, you know, I remember leaving there and I told my wife, I said, you know, they, uh, they, they have more confidence in that book than they do God's ability to communicate with them his will. Yeah. And so that can affect someone's judgment as well, Chris. When you're talking about these preconceived ideas, you know, where do they have their, what do they have their confidence in? Do you have your confidence that in God that he can teach you? Or do you have your confidence that God can't teach you and you, that some other man can? Uh, you know, you're going to have to give yourself some credit and think that an all-knowing, all-perfect God can perfectly communicate his perfect will perfectly to you that's right that's right i mean it's funny to hear but you're i mean it's absolutely right i mean you're you're absolutely right on that and um josh are you back you there i'm here i'm right here i think maybe yeah all right i hear you go ahead go ahead sound like <laughs> you want to you want to comment on chris kramer's comment or do you got something there josh um 
I could comment, but I also have something else to, to say. Okay, I'll let you do both. Um, isn't it interesting that folks would quit their jobs and sell all their stuff to prepare for judgment? What happened to all that money? If the end is coming, why get rid of anything? That, that's a good point. Um, where are you going to, like, if the end, well, I guess if they have the concept of rapture. Yeah, and that, uh, that was that was the thing back in 2012. You know, they were giving it to others. But I, because I, I, I asked the same thing on the radio program. I mean, what, what's the point if, if the end is coming, why bother getting rid of anything? Yeah. I mean, nobody else can use it either. But, yeah. but if they have that concept of rapture where the, the righteous are going to be called away and the, the rest are going to be left, then it does make sense. But anyway, I, I think that's an interesting point. Anyway, what I wanted to address real quickly um, is, you know, we, we've spent this whole study uh, trying to, to show that the Bible doesn't give signs. The Bible doesn't tell us when uh, the Lord is going to come. And I just wanted to think for a second, why? Why does God not tell us when? And I think as you look back in Matthew 25, you get to see a picture of why. Um, because you have the beginning of Matthew 25. You've got the, the parable of the ten virgins. Obviously, the five are foolish and the five are wise. And the ones who are wise were ready. And so even though there was a delay when the bridegroom came and, and opened the door, they were ready and able to go in. And Jesus concludes that in verse 13 by saying, Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. Now, if God were to say, okay, so uh, November 4th, 2037 is when I'm going to come back. What would people do? Yeah, they would eat, drink, and be merry, and yeah, and then November third or first, probably. And they say, "All right, well, that's time to to start getting ready." You know, uh, it's like kids at school. You know, there are some nerds that, as soon as they get home from school, they get all their homework done. Um, <laughs> little little self expression there, Josh. I know. Uh, well, I, I I'm not condoning this, and I'm not suggesting this at all. But I was the kind that wouldn't start my homework till like eight or nine in the evening, and I'd be up really late doing my homework. Um, anyway, um, uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, my point you, is, you did homework. Yes. Yeah. Well, okay. Now, my point though is that I think it's part of our human nature to procrastinate, to say, "I have time. I'll get to that later. I'll, I'll do it some other time." And if we had a hard date. That's probably what we'd do. We'd say, well, I got time. I don't have to worry about it right now. God's not coming back yet. I'll be ready when he comes. Yeah. The point is, God says, I'm not going to tell you when. That's why you always need to be ready. Yeah. And I think the, the difference there is if we love the Lord with all our heart, we need to serve him every single day, knowing that at any point we could be called to go back to, to be with him. And, and if we were to put it off like that, well, I'll get to it later. That's not a heart that loves the Lord with all, with, with all their being. That's a great point. And so God has a reason for not telling us. And we don't need to know. But what we do need to know is that he is coming. And we need to live our lives every day in anticipation of the fact that God will come again. And, you know, even live with the idea that we do find in Scripture, Lord, come quickly. If we can't say that, maybe we need to reflect on our own life to make sure that we are living in a way that's 
prepared for the Lord to return. Yeah. Yeah. And, and really second Peter is probably one of my favorite books on this subject because he starts off in verse three of second Peter chapter one. He says, he's given us all things pertaining to life and godliness, according to the knowledge of, of Christ. And, and that, that right there sets the stage, right? We have the knowledge that we need. We have been given everything that we need. And then in chapter three, he, you know, the, there are those saying, hey, where is his coming? If he hasn't come by now, he's not going to. In verses five through seven, he points out that the, the same God who created this world by his word has, by that same word, uh, flooded this world in the days of Noah. And by that same word, preserved it for the day of, of judgment and perdition. In verse 8, he points out that, you know, that a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. And as he continues, that God is not slack concerning his promise, to some count slackness, but he's long-suffering towards us, not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens and earth will pass away as with a great noise. And, and then in verse 11, he says, knowing all these things are going to take place, what manner of life ought you to live? Knowing this world will be destroyed with a fervent heat, knowing it's going to happen as a thief in the night, you know, what kind of life ought you to live? You know, you ought to, it, it ought to affect how you're living now, not just waiting until you think it's going to take place. It, it should affect how you live now, which is why in verse 12, he says, that not only can we look forward to, but we could hasten that day. And, and I think that's a important point to notice. You know, hastening that day will take place when we are, in fact, ready, when we are prepared for that coming, whenever it might be. And, and, and probably one of the last things that I would point out, it kind of goes back to what was mentioned earlier with uh, Richard and talking about the class that he had gone to, is so many people want to jump to the book of Revelation. So many people can quote the book of Revelation and can't, can't quote anything else. They can quote the book of Revelation. They study the book of Revelation. They try to know it inside and out, and yet they don't know anything else uh, um, unless it comes out of that book, and as, you know, it, which it would be a quote uh, Revelation. John would be quoting it from some other text. Um but that's what they want to look at. They want to go to the book of Revelation first and foremost. And it's not only one of the more difficult books, but it's it tells us up front, this is written in signs and symbols. And um, you know, if we put it in context of the rest of the scripture, um, it that's where we get a better understanding of what that book is talking about. Starting with Revelation like that would be like jumping straight into ma uh, multiplication without having a foundation of adding and subtracting. Or sending a uh, middle schooler to play NFL pro football. Yeah. yeah. That's not really a good, uh, you know, they, they, there's a, uh, trying to remember, there, there's like a uh, nine-year-old kid out there somewhere playing varsity football in some high school. I, I, I think people get my point, Richard. Thank oh, you. Oh, I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. And, and Richard's talking about the people taking the Bible literally. Yeah. yeah. Really? <laughs> hey, he moved to sports. Yeah, right. You don't bring sports into this. 
Oh man. Well, if, if, if nothing else, I hope at least we've given some folks something to think about. So Josh, you have any last comments or thoughts? Well, first of all, I want to say no offense to the nerds. Um, you know, the ones who <laughs> do their homework first thing, you know, I think that's a great habit and I, I admire uh, your, uh, your zeal, zeal to, to get your work done at a, a timely manner. I, I wish I was more like that. Uh, but again, you know, we don't know when the Lord returns, but that, that means all the more that we have the responsibility to just uh, be faithful. Will the Lord find, when the Lord comes again, will he find faith on earth? Will he find faith in us when he comes again? Uh, we need to make sure that we're growing in faith so that we can be found faithful in his sight. So we can hear well done, good and faithful servant, whenever it may be uh, that the Lord chooses to return. Yeah. Richard, last thoughts. You don't know anything about procrastination, do you, Chris? <laughs> I'll answer that tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I do want to mention the fact that my Chiefs are 2-0 and and my Kansas Jayhawks are 3-0. and And it has nothing to do with the, the uh, uh, lesson here today, except some people said that the Jayhawks would never go undefeated unless Jesus returned again. So maybe that's a sign. That's a sign. <laughs> I do want to point out, I have a foundation called the procrastinators for a greater tomorrow. <laughs> oh. oh man. Okay. All right. Any other thoughts, Richard? No. I, I got a bunch, but I'll wait till yeah. we get done with the show. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, folks, we do appreciate everybody who tunes in and listens to Berean Spirits. Email us, Spirits at gmail.com. If you haven't already, you hit that subscribe button, like, share, send it out to all your friends. And remember, we are now on podcast. Check us out on Spotify and other podcast apps. Um, and uh, And... Again, be sure and share it out to all your friends. Until next time, remember to search the scriptures with Berean Spirits. Well, folks, that's all for today. Don't worry. Lord willing, the guys will be back next week for another Bible study on Berean Spirits. Until then, let the guys hear from you. Drop them some email at bereanspirits at gmail.com. They'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep studying that Bible.